and welcome to the Beautiful Boxing Podcast. If you haven't caught the previous episode with the title is Where the Numbers Gone, I think it's just a really fascinating view on actually why the numbers of the boxing channels are, are down significantly when the amount of available time has gone up significantly. But look, you know, grab that one, have a little listen, let me know what you think. I just wanted to do a kind of helicopter view about over where we are in boxing at the moment, because I think we're in a really, really interesting place. But before we jump into that, let's let's talk Billy Joe Saunders, because every six months or so, this is where we end up, really, isn't it? We always end up talking about Billy Joe. Look, how, how do you describe Billy Joe? So I'll tell you a story. When... When I was a student, there was a young lady I found attractive, fresh as we, like literally the first Sunday I'm there. And in our hall of residence, if you'd asked any of the guys in there to rank their top five women, she's in there without a shadow of a doubt. And so we met from a good family. I think her dad ran a stationery business or something like that. Sound like I'm snitching here. But anyway, you know, when you're young and you're presented with, with someone you find attractive like that, and you're just watching, and you go, wow, like, that's who I want in my life. And you watch from afar. And I watched it. She ended up dating, like, third years and older guys who, you know, it's to be expected at that age, right? But you'd always think to yourself, if ever... I had an opportunity, and that, that becomes your, your primary aim. And I remember at one point, she ended up dating a guy that lived in our hall, and him and I had problems. And, you know, so if him and I had problems, me and her obviously couldn't be cool anymore. So you get your standard childish back and forth, you know, you, but you'd all be out at the same events, pretty much the same people because we're the same circles of friends. And I remember there was one night she was out without this guy. And we're all going to a place called Vodka Sheffield. If you've studied at Sheffield and you're roughly the same age as me, you understand what Vodka Sheffield was. It was just carnage, right? And so she's had a bit too much to drink. And I could see some of the rugby boys were trying it on with her. And I was like, bit out of order. So scooped her up, whacked her in the cab. Now, I want to pause there because I know what everyone's thinking at this point, but no, it wasn't. So literally whacked her in the cab, got her back to, to her room, made sure she was looked after, slept, went back to mine. And I remember that being a thawing in the relations. And I can remember one night where she came down to see me, so we talked it out. And one thing leads to another at this point. But the key reason I say this is, at the very moment I had everything I thought I wanted, I suddenly realized that it wasn't what I thought. And there were so many things that I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I can't really say because obviously the name might be identified, but you suddenly start to realize this isn't necessarily what I wanted. No, I thought I did, but now that I'm getting to see what's in front of me here, I could well do without this. But by that point, 
you're in too deep and you've got to kind of just see the process through. And so I say that just to say, I imagine Eddie Hearn's in the same position. You imagine how many years he's looked over and gone, the money I could make with Billy Joe Saunders if I just had him at matchroom. Because remember, you'd hear this all the time. Ah, Billy doesn't earn the money he deserves. He's grossly underpromoted. Frank's not doing this. Frank's not doing that. And there was always this, this discussion where Hearn was like, I could do better for you. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Hearn feels like I did in about May 2001 where he's, it's dawned on him that the Billy Joe thing was never a Frank problem the Billy Joe thing is a Billy Joe problem and I've said this before the one opponent Billy Joe Saunders can never beat and will probably never beat is Billy Joe Saunders himself Go back to the Terry Edwards days at GB where he indulged Billy Joe Saunders' behaviour. And the stories are plentiful amongst that whole squad, Tony Jeffries, Stephen Simmons, Billy Joe Saunders, Frankie Gavin. I'm not saying that they were all involved, but that sort of group there, they weren't, they weren't the ones you'd really want as poster boys for amateur boxing, despite their skills and their talents. And they were really skilled and talented. But there were guys in that group Maybe the girls in that mix as well. There were guys in that group that just knew how to hit the self-destruct button. And it was like they were almost capable of incredible acts of boxing genius and incredible acts of human stupidity. So make absolutely no mistake about it. This is as stupid as Billy Joe Saunders could be. We're, we're in a current climate nationally where, not that we're on edge, but we've been forced to think in a different way than we used to. You know? Collectively, the mindset at the moment is we all need to pull together and get through this as a nation. Men, women, children. Doesn't matter about age. Right now, it doesn't matter about race. It doesn't matter about religion. This COVID-19 is touching everybody. And in this climate, Billy Joe Saunders decides to break the tension by how? Making a video on how to beat up your wife if she does something that annoys you. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to wonder, who advises people? Who do you have around you in your life where someone said, yeah, Bill, that's a good idea? Yeah, Bill, that's really, really funny. I don't understand on what basis that was a joke. There was no setup, there was no punchline, pardon the pun. There was nothing. It was simply, it was just a stupid fucking video. Do I believe he was encouraging domestic violence? No, I don't, but I think he was being incredibly stupid about an issue that has real consequences. People die as a result of domestic abuse. Families are ruined. Kids remain scarred for life. You know, ask any kid to recount how they felt when they were watching one of their parents being physically abused. Ask them. Won't be a joke then. Ask them how they felt when they found themselves in that situation. 
and realised they were just acting out what they'd seen in childhood. It's not a joke then. And this is the Billy Joe problem. There's a valid social discussion to be had about what we should be offended about and what we shouldn't be offended about. Absolutely. There are some things in comedy that are funny, but they're in bad taste. But they are funny, and comedians have a right to test where those boundaries are. I 100% get that. Billy Joe Saunders is not the poster child for that discussion. Billy Joe Saunders does stupid things. These things aren't funny. And if you find them funny, then you're probably stupid yourself. That's not to say that things that are funny should be censored. No, it's to say that. Offering a homeless woman crack, not funny. Making her call someone a paedophile, not funny. Racing your Lamborghini up and down Sheffield while throwing shit at people, not funny. All these things that he does, they're not, they're stupid. That's what they're, they're stupid. And I'm not trying to hear none of this, oh, if you understood traveler culture, you'd understand Billy Joe Saunders. It's not about that. It is about, have some fucking intelligence. And if you're, if you're Eddie Hearn, can you imagine the grief you're getting, right? As soon as that video goes out, it's not MTK that get the grief. It's going to be Eddie Hearn going, mate, you want this guy to fight Canelo? And he's embarrassing himself like that. And so, Billy Joe gives Oscar De La Hoya all the leverage in the world to say, we ain't fighting this guy. We're not fighting this guy because he's a bad poster child. This is not the sort of person Canelo needs. But then he fought Kovalev, and Kovalev's no stranger to this sort of situation. But, but you look, you go back and you go, what does John Skipper think of this? So John Skipper's probably getting messages, emails from people going, is this one of your guys? What the hell is this? And I'm sure Skipper put the pressure on Eddie Hearn to go, what the hell is this? Joe Markovsky put the pressure on Eddie Hearn going, why, why do we sign this guy? And you do, you ask a question, why did you sign Billy Joe? Billy Joe's never been a moneymaker. We're still talking about that Lemieux fight and I have no idea when that Lemieux fight was. That's how old it is. We're still talking about that performance because there's been nothing since. This is from a guy who had maybe not Mayweather levels of talent, but definitely Ward levels of talent when he was coming up. Billy's undefeated, but he's undefeated in the same way Calzaghe is, where you're like, I don't respect many of the wins on your record. And that's the challenge he's always faced in his career, is that whenever he's been on that cusp of greatness or mainstream success, he finds a way to shoot himself in the foot. I don't think Hearn needs that because you can't turn Billy Joe into a pay-per-view superstar because all of this stuff will come back to haunt him. So you've got to treat him like Kell Brook. You just give him substandard fights but hope you can make enough that it's worth keeping him. And it's sad because Billy Joe should have been a lot better than he is. But you can't blame Frank. You can't blame his previous managers. You can't blame his previous trainers. It's him. There's a reason why Billy Joe's gone through God knows how many trainers. A, he's not worth the headache, and B, I don't think he's got the discipline to do what's right 100% of the time. 
you know, and I'm not a guy that's going to be living off that Lemieux win because that's not mind blowing. The Andy Lee win, Andy Lee's not really a middleweight. You know, you can put you can point all sorts of holes in his record. Eubank Jr. Well, he should have beaten Eubank Jr. Should have beaten him a lot easier than he did. John Ryder. John Ryder wasn't the John Ryder he is now. There are all these things, but they're not the guys we should be measuring Billy Joe against. He should have fought Andre by now. He should have fought Golovkin by now. Then he would have had an easy argument for Canelo fight. Why doesn't he just fight Jacobs or Gabriel Sado? That's probably where he'll end up. I imagine Canelo just blowing him off, and then one of those two will fight Gabriel Sado. Because they've given Billy Joe enough chances to to step up, and he hasn't done so. And it's left Hearn in a tricky position now, because what do you do with this guy? Board have suspended his license, which I don't think means much. He'll just fight on a Nevada or a New York license. So that doesn't really mean much. But you're dealing with this fallout. And the thing is, there's nothing but time right now. So all you can do is just get that video up, share it, reshare it. And no matter how many times Billy Joe tries to drown it out with all these posts about how, how much of a good guy he is, and maybe he is behind the scenes, I don't know. But if I was MTK, I'd have told Billy, delete your social media. Just delete everything. Because he can't be trusted. And I don't know how much money MTK have in Billy Joe Saunders, but there's a real risk that they don't see it back. Because this guy is just hell-bent on destroying himself. But it goes back to how I felt in 2001. Hearn must just look and go, I understand why Frank maybe didn't care about you as much as I thought he should. Because he's probably tried and realized it doesn't get him anywhere. And look, Billy Joe's, what, 31, 32 now? <laughs> he's already seen the best years of his career. No defining fights. And that's going to be the biggest tragedy in his career. We haven't really talked about what this shutdown means for boxing because... If I'm being brutally honest, it's an absolute bloodbath. If you think about where, let's start with, yeah, let's start with Matchroom and Sky. Matchroom Sky Design. Look at where they were headed. Uh, they were headed towards, definitely Sky were headed towards three pay-per-view events. Uh, Chisora Usyk, White Povetkin, Joshua V. Pulev. And we were going to get those three in the space of about four weeks, maybe slightly more. We're probably, I don't even think, I don't think you can put those three as pay-per-views now. I just don't think you can. If you start with the one that's still on the calendar, and I think that's Joshua V. Pulev. For that fight to happen at White Hart Lane, the season would have to be cancelled because once we get to the end of April, which I think is the provisional date that the FA would like to restart things, you still have at least two months of a season to play, as long as there's no congestion, and subject to whatever the, the follow-on safety protocols are in regards reducing the risk of infection. So you're looking, realistically, you can't have Joshua Pulev probably before August. So what do you do? If you're Joshua, do you stay in camp? 
Do you stop training? Do you maintain? You, do, you actually don't know what to do. So you, you, you're better off literally rescheduling that when everyone's got the all clear because Joshua goes through a large training load. Like he, he trains a lot. There's no question about this. And it's one of the things that impresses me about Joshua, his ability to just work without sustaining major injuries, without doing anything that puts him out of a fight. So you have to manage him carefully. And the same with Pulev, he's not getting any younger. So if that even happens, that happens in July, August time, best case scenario, when everyone's on holiday. And we've all paid for our holiday, so no one's cancelling their holiday just to watch Joshua Pulev. So then where do you slot in Dillian versus Povetkin? Where do you slot in Chisora versus Usyk? The answer is you probably don't. They're probably September, October fights. But then that doesn't build, build up for anything. Joshua's probably not going to fight twice this year because he was going to fight Pulev, Usyk, clear the way for a Fury fight 2021. Do you really want to go through Pulev in June and then Usyk in November, December? Probably not. That means you'd have trained for the whole year pretty much. So remember, Joshua boxed December. Maybe a couple of weeks down, and then you're starting to ramp back up in your training, getting ready for a June fight. And so he'd have been engaged in boxing for the whole year, which isn't good. He's the wrong side of 30 now. So he's got to manage that. So I can't say... I, one of those three pay-per-views has to drop off. And then you're kind of into that awkward period at the end of the year, early next year, where either Hearn's re-signed to Sky or he's given Sky notice to quit. So now you're like... Why would he even put those on pay-per-view when he could just run them on the zone? And there are all of these things that happen at the top level, but it's at the bottom level where we really need to start looking. So Ellie Scottney doesn't make her debut, which is a shame, but that can come, and hopefully that will come on a, a bigger, more meaningful card. By the time Joshua Bartzi fights, that would have been at least six, six to nine months since he fought. We've lost out on Sterling versus Aziz for now. I don't know what those guys do hopefully they get a better platform Isaac Chamberlain's lost two fight dates uh I know Umar Sadiq was due to fight in April they had a big fight lined up for him so he's missed that and all these guys are missing out on income that's what they're missing out on income but and I don't want to put words in the mouths of boxers they actually just missed the fighting they missed the training a lot of guys are going stir crazy because they can't train at the moment that's the challenge it's their routine's broken. So now, even if you do the runs and you do the home workouts, if we, if we, let's take a standard week of professional boxing training. If we call that 100 units of work, the work they're currently doing now is about 25 to 30 units of work. So it's probably below maintenance because I think maintenance is about 45 to 50 units, right? So you could... That just keeps you in shape so you can go into camp and prepare for a fight. What they're doing now is, is just managing the decline. The decline is happening, but the ones who are doing the runs and the shadow boxing are just managing that downward curve. So even if someone told us, right, April 30th, we're good to go. Everyone's going to need eight weeks. I don't care who you are. If you're in a competitive fight, you're going to need another eight weeks before you can fight. So even if we get to the end of April, no one's boxing before the 1st of July. Nobody. 
and that leaves you half a year to get a, like nine months worth of events in. It's going to be absolute carnage. People having shows on the same weekend. Joyce Dubois scheduled for the 11th of July. So that might be the first big fight. But is that enough time? Don't know how these guys are training, so I hope it is. But and that comes back to it. It's an absolute mess. But it's a small price to pay for the health and well-being of our society. One of the things that's worth talking about is what... Why has boxing been left behind by every other sport? So every other sport in this current crisis period has been able to dig stuff out. So if you're an American football fan, you've got ESPN 30 for 30s. You've got America's Game, where they just take great teams and then the former stars talk about what happened in winning the Super Bowl, for example. The ESPN 30 for 30s are out there special. Whatever sport you're into, they're definitely worth a watch. And it's surprising how quick other sports were able to just go into the vault and pull out some quality footage and archives. And boxing's been poor for that. Now, here's, here's the thing. Once you've seen the fight, you don't want to see the fight again. Like, I couldn't watch Joshua Klitschko again. I can watch the highlights of it, but I can't just watch it as a fight because I kind of went through that process. And you don't want to go through it again. It's like Fury Wilder. I don't want to go through it again. It's why I find it weird when people tweet stuff like, I watched the fight back four times. And I'm like, you didn't. Because your brain, your brain can't be bothered. Once you know who won, you kind of don't care. So you look at the content and it shows that boxing's taken its fans for granted for a long time. And here's one place where I'm agree in agreement with Eddie Hearn. Boxing needs to look at how it does content we should have been able to slip into something. I'll tell you what I'd love to have seen in this sort of period. I'd love them to get someone like a Dave Moretti, Adelaide Bird, or like a Glenn Feldman. And they score a fight. Like in the studio, they get to watch the fight and they score it. And they tell you what they're thinking, they tell you what they're seeing. So we can actually now understand what goes through the mind of a judge. I'd like to have seen that. I'd like to have seen... Like guys like Bob Arum, uh, Gary Shaw, you know, the, the old-time promoters, even Don King. I'd love to have seen them round the table, like a gloves are off, and people just talk about historic fights that never happened and why they never happened. All of these content ideas we should have been doing already. We should have some kind of content on the up-and-coming boxers. It's interesting that no one could name our GB squad for the Olympic qualifiers. And if you put a gun to their head, they'd struggle. Yet, as soon as they sign over to match them, everyone becomes an expert in these people. So all of these things just show that boxing doesn't have the content. I love what football's doing, where football's going into that top 10 goals of all time, top 10 strikers in Premier League history. Who's your Premier League team of the decade? Who's your Premier League team of all time? And you're getting guys like Neville and Carragher just talking back through their careers. And it's fascinating. Whereas boxing doesn't have that. Boxing's an incredibly boring sport. Our content's not that engaging, apart from when we talk about the big fights. And that's down to the fact that we've never invested in content. We've never invested in creating characters and stars in boxing. We've kept it as such a closed shop that under pressure, and now when we need an archive that's got interesting content, we're struggling. So you can't, even, you can't even maintain interest. Like boxing, 
is just falling off the grid on your TV station right now, apart from that Anthony Joshua day. But why are you even going to watch that? Like, there's no, there's no layer of insight or analysis over that. And that's been my frustration with this whole period, is that there's no real content. You know, if you go on YouTube, the most viewed things are like knockout highlights. You're telling me that no TV network could just chunk up some highlights. And even if you got someone to phone in and just give their views about what happened in this fight, what happened in camp, and we come back to that old adage, no one ever wants to talk about what was happening in camp. No one ever wants to talk about what was happening in sparring because what happens in the gym stays in the gym. Yes. And meanwhile, fans are being robbed of what I think is incredible content. I think some of the stuff that happens in gyms, not necessarily it's what you want to hear, but it will entertain you. It's fascinating. But we don't get that insight because people don't want to do that. So as a result, we get really crap content when every other sport, they're rolling in it. Like I've been watching some of the old rugby stuff, and that's really good. What BT Sport are doing with the rugby has been really good. Boxing, once again, terrible. And I don't even know how you how you resolve it because no one's interested in doing that. But hopefully this crisis has reminded everyone that you need more than just fights to make a sport. You know, we need the we need the story around it, and we need the insight that sits beneath it. Just as a segue, one person I do want to shout out is DJ Doves for no other reason than he's now sharing my my Fury Wilder 2 assessment, which I'm really grateful for. I'm glad that it's still relevant after all this time. So anyone else that wants to go into the archive and dig up some of the, the previous episodes, feel free to do so. I, I just think there's stuff that I've said then that's probably even more true now. And so, look, I don't think you'd have wasted your time by going through that archive. I think it's entertaining enough that it stands up in its own right. But in this whole corona-enforced lockdown, I tell you a man who is stepping up, though. Joseph Parker's doing wonders for his image now, just showing that he's not afraid to take a few risks, getting himself back in the public eye. And hopefully he can deliver some spectacular fights, man. But he's definitely playing this one right, and I think a lot of boxers can learn from that. A lot of guys are just there, just talking nonsense about training. No one cares about training. Like I'd say this to boxers all the time, like, training is your job. Yeah, that is your job. That's not your personality. That is your job. Your ability to talk about things outside of training and nutrition, that's what makes you a personality. But Jesus, man, how many training videos do I have to see? Yes, we know you're training, but it's your job, man. Stop boring us with that dead content. It's also been sad to see the demise of Boxing Monthly as a publication. But if we're being honest now, print media has been dead for a long time. And... Online content's moving to a free model anyway. And so I think Boxing Monthly's just been caught in the middle of that. And we're starting to realise there's probably no economic value in boxing journalism anymore. Because boxing's just about opinions. Like, you take this podcast as an example. We have our circulation of however many, you know, 1,200 to 1,700, depending on the day. It's just about opinions. People tune in to hear an opinion. Boxing Monthly may have really good journalists, but I don't really know what they think, nor do I quite frankly care. You know, you, you don't. Like, I'm, I'm glad that people are going in there and trying to find angles and stories, but I care about opinions before I care about the story. And that's what keeps us going, is the opinions. It doesn't have to be controversial, but it does have to be strong. And 
You can't just tread this middle ground. And I think the publications that are falling over now are the ones that don't take a risk. You know, Boxing Monthly are too afraid to upset fighters. Most outlets are afraid to upset fighters, so they don't get the fan engagement they want. Fans want people to go, that wasn't good enough. Or, why are you lying to the fans? And so, it's a challenge to all these media outlets. If you really want to survive, you're going to have to be strong in the views you hold, and boxers are going to have to live with that, because without the media, there is no boxing. Like, you guys will be fighting in scrapyards and fucking pub car parks because no one really cares about boxing. Boxing is this really niche sport that every so often breaks into the public consciousness, but people don't care about it. Like, there are more important things going on. There are more important sports happening, you know. So always have a sense of perspective that boxing isn't a big enough market to sustain a whole ecosystem where everyone can make a living from it. And I'll tell you what also killed the idea of Boxing Monthly is the fact that everyone's doing a podcast now. Frotch has got his podcast. Al Bernstein wants to do a podcast. And so the content's immediate. Something happens and look, straight away we're talking about it. Do you see what I mean? And no one's waiting a month anymore. No one's waiting a week. Like, no one's waiting 24 hours for things to develop. It's just not the way, it's not the way it works. You know, podcasts are the new boxing media. You know, whether it's done in video, by video, whether it's done by audio, it doesn't matter. This is how fans get their fix in real time, or as close to real time as is possible. And look, long may it continue. I enjoy it. And it's, it's what puts smiles on people's faces. And I, just, and I don't know, because I love what journalists do. So when I hear Tris Dixon... You know, I can hear the journalist training in him. But I think the podcast world has warped my sense of perspective to the point where I need headlines, I need opinions, I need bullet points. I just need it to be quick, snappy, and sparse enough that I can form my own opinions around it too. So one of the questions I have is, why are we having these fucking cartoon fights where people are digging up fight night and trying to have these these fake tournaments, like they mean anything, that shows you the depths to which boxing is sunk, man. And, and this is the reason why publications die, because the sorts of people that write for boxing publications are the sort of people that think those sorts of cartoon fights are a great idea. You know? And it's not... like I don't think there's ever been a greater disparity than boxing for the people that do it and the people that write or talk about it. In terms of characters... You know, you've got these absolute warriors on one side and these absolute fucking melts on the other side. And I think that's one of the reasons boxing never moves forward is that it doesn't attract the sort of killers that could help take the sport forward. You know, if you look at what, what's going to happen just in general, right, as soon as we ease up from, from these quarantine restrictions, and it won't even be when we're fully free, it'll just be when these ease a bit. Boxers will be greedy enough that they'll put on they'll put on fights. They might even do it in a studio, like the old wrestling shows, where they just go right. We'll just get the fight in a studio, and they'll just overdub it with crowd noises. I have no idea, but it just won't be pleasant because you don't want to you don't want to commit to a pay per view fight. 
until you know that crowds are allowed to congregate. Because the large part of the pay-per-view thing is creating a sense of, you know, I want to be there as a fan. I should be there. Uh, I'm gutted I'm not there. You know, the crowds, the build-up, the public workout, all that hype is what makes a pay-per-view fight. It's what drives sales. And no promoter is going to commit to that unless they can get those crowds mobilized. And I don't think we'll be able to get any kind of crowd-based activity before July or a commitment to that before July. So if any of these pay-per-views happen before, that would be a miracle. But like I said, public health is more important than boxing right now. But look, it's, it's a relatively flat week. What I, what I am going to do is I'll probably try and do another, another Terry Speaks kind of thing. But I don't know who I want to speak to yet. So let me have a think about that. And then I can go from there. If anyone knows someone who's up for it, yeah, open invitation. If you know someone who's up for it, and they're interesting. I mean, don't just give me names because you represent the guy. Because, listen, I'll cut the phone. Like, if I get bored, I'll just cut the phone. So I don't want to. Like, you gotta, you got to listen to the Umar, the Greg Hackett's, the Don Smith's, Denzel Bentley's, Isaac Chamberlain. you got to listen to all those interviews. You see how multi-layered those conversations are. That's what we're trying to give you guys. You know, the multi-layered bit where we get under some of the issues not make it uncomfortable, but make it challenging. So, if you, I mean, if you know someone who's suitable and who's interested, let me know and I'll have that conversation with them. In the meantime, I'll be doing my own hunting as well. So, guys, there you go. I think this is two in one day. So, I mean, enjoy and I shall be back soon.